yeah, I love I love the presence of the Lord. He's the healer. He's the the one that makes a way. We just got to submit to Him and and uh, just allow Him to to work in our hearts. You know, it's not just having just a message and that. It's actually coming before the Lord, allowing Him to to do what He needs to do in us, that He can do things through us. And uh, so yeah, I just felt just in my heart. I've been Funny, I, I, it's one of those words that I had prepared the whole week, and then I changed it on Friday. We had the men's prayer meeting, and as I was driving to the men's prayer meeting, I felt the Lord saying, we need to be intentionally ready, be ready, be ready. And I don't know why that came, and it's, it's almost like God saying, now, like I felt this as I was driving, because actually Brighton and I were driving, I felt the Lord saying, now's the time, be ready. And uh, in fact, that's what came out at the men's prayer meeting. Quinton was just sharing about him going hunting with these boys. And, and he, they were sitting in the bush and they were waiting for quite a long time. And, 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 just, and, just say, and he kept saying to his boys, just, just, just wait. Let's just be ready. Let's just get it. And it's funny how he was just talking about time and talk about the Kairos time, which I'll also explain this evening, and uh, just trusting in the Lord. So I really, and there was a few things that the guys all shared, and it all had to do with time and being ready. And so I, I moved my whole message, because I felt this is definitely the Lord. I can witness with it, God speaking. And, uh, and so that's actually my message this, this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready? And uh, I want to encourage you guys, because even the men's prayer meeting that we have, and I, I'm not putting a heavy or condemnation. If you can't make it, I understand, you know, some guys work. But I do want to encourage you, if you can do it, if it means really just sacrificing an hour of your sleep, then come do it. Come do it, because it's so important. I'm asking one hour of the week to come and do it if you can. If you can't and you're working, I understand. It's grace. But if you can, come. One hour. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of that scripture in Matthew 26, 40, when Jesus went up to the pray. Remember when he's at Gethsemane, he comes back and he sees his disciples sleeping. And he says to them, I just asked you for one hour just to pray. You can't even keep awake for one hour. I'm not saying that's for you. I'm just saying, you know, and then he spoke about temptation and not being aware of the time and being prepared in their hearts because temptation's coming. And he says the flesh is weak. And I've got to admit the flesh is weak for me to get up at that time, because it's dark, and it's cold, and you just don't want to do it, and, but you know, I tell you, those times are so envisioning in, in for me, um, and I spend time with the Lord in the Word and that all the time, but those times, there's something, I can't replace that, I don't know if, if you witness the same, but I, so I want to encourage you guys, if you can, try and make it, huh? especially if you're feeling visionless, and you're feeling as purposeless, there's a sense of coming before the Lord. There's something there, the presence of God in the men's prayer meeting. Sorry, ladies, I know I'm going on about the men's prayer meeting. But if your husbands are led well, you led well, so it's to your benefit. So anyway, I'm not, like I say, but I, I really felt in the Lord to be ready. And you might say, Benny, ready for what? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And, uh, and so I'm going to be... Just kind of sharing a little bit about that. And, you know, as I was praying, one of the things when you start to get a revelation of the Lord, you get it down. You're just like, okay, Lord, just, you know, you're trying to keep up with, with, with the Scripture. And I said to Lauren, I'm not going to be able to do this in one preach. I'm going to make two sessions on it. Lauren always moans because I congest everything in one sermon. And so I'm not going to do that this, <laughs> this morning. I've, I've divided it into two. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you never win, huh? 
No, but my wife always says, you know, you could have stretched that into another preach because it was, it was just so much there. I said, yeah, I know, Lord, but, you know, you, you're trying to pack this thing into, because it's all like so good around one scripture. So I'm using one scripture, but I'm going to do it in two, in two sessions. So Matthew 25, we're going to start there from, from verse 1 to 13. So here we go. And so being ready, I, I think this parable is so beautiful when it talks about getting ready and being ready. And so I thought, let's dive into it. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the virgins, which took, to their, took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And the five of them were wise and five were foolish, that they were foolish, uh, sorry, that they, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in the vessels uh, with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye unto meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for your lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and, and, go, sorry, us and you. But you go rather in, uh, and to them and sell, that sell sorry, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterwards, oh, sorry, afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour where the Son of Man cometh." Awkward, that's not the new King James. I think that's just the King James. <laughs> I'm sickling you, but never mind. Well, I love the new King James, but oh, the these and ours are just a bit too much. So anyway, so I'm going to clarify this <laughs> for us. We're going to try and uh, just process this properly. Yeah, so listen carefully. <laughs> Now notice this, uh, Jesus is using this illustration, but I feel in the comparison that he brings between the wise and the foolish virgins actually begin to reveal something of hidden secrets that I, like it, it, it hit me. I know I've shared the scripture before, but I, I really feel there's something more that I want to take us into, just what I felt the Holy Spirit leading me. So, you know, when you talk about the virgins, he's talking about the purity of these virgins, okay? Five foolish, five wise, but they're all virgins. So would you agree with me? Virgin means they're pure. Doesn't matter if they're foolish or, un, or, or wise, you know, if wise, they're all pure. And, uh, and so this distinction can't be merely on the, what they abstain from, because the purity is talking about really their abstinence, what they abstain from, from worldly things, you know, from the things of the flesh, the things of indulgence, the things of sin. And so Jesus is saying, look, there's both wise and foolish, but they, they're both virgins, okay? The far foolish and the wise are both virgins. So it's, it's not that they have a problem with, you know, not being tainted with the world. They've kept themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't be virgins. And so Jesus is using this illustration. And, and I want to say purity isn't necessarily an abstinence of sin alone. And I'm going to prove it to you. It's not only what we take off that makes us pure. It's what we put on. And... Uh, the bride is making herself ready. And I want to encourage you. 
I, I don't know everyone here, but maybe you're not part of a church, but I do believe this. Jesus is not coming back to individuals. He's not coming back to little families. He's coming back to his bride. So about the church. And it's a bride that's preparing herself for his coming. I've noticed, you know, if I'm not in church, I can't prepare myself. If I don't have people around me in preparation, helping me put on the garments of Christ, what makes me look like him, what is pure in him and who he is, if I don't have you guys speaking truth into my life, I cannot prepare myself. Don't think when you're alone and you've got your little family that that's, you know, we read the word every day, we do this. That in itself is not enough. You need accountability. You need discipleship. You need elders. You need leaders. You need people that speak into your life that not only speak truth, but also encourage you in love and spur you up onto the things of the Lord. And so you need that. And so... Yeah, I'm just reminded of Revelations uh, 16, 15. It says, Behold, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he might not go about naked and, and being exposed and be seen exposed. Notice this. this. This virgin is not only about being pure, but it's about putting on. Not only to, so you don't be exposed. And I want to say, the thing is, when you unplug from a church, you're not part of a church, you're actually exposed. Do you know that? You're not under the authority. We're talking about authority of Christ this, this evening. I believe part of that authority of Christ that comes over us is as, as we subject ourselves into the body which Christ ordained. I didn't institute church. Jesus did. And so when we come under his body, we're actually putting ourselves under the cloak of his authority. And we're clothing ourselves under his protection. And so this is a place where I'm not exposed because I'm under this covering. And so it's not only purity of what you abstain from in the world, but it's also what you come into, into the life of the church. And so it's being accountable and being relatable and being willing to be discipled. And uh, so Revelations 19 verse 78 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now, I want to say this. As we prepare ourselves, even, even these times of praying for one another, it's almost like there's been a bit of prophetic word. There's been encouragement. There's been actually preparing us. Hey, you know, I'm feeling this in the Lord, this you know, there's some things that need to adjust, and we're praying into that. But it's so that you can do the works that God has called you to do. We're not just praying for each other or just reading the Word so we feel good, but it's that we can put on those things in order to do what God has called us to do. Because He's talking about the righteous deeds of the saints. That's why we put it on. And I know about you, I, I think if I look back at our marriage when Lauren got married, Lauren had bridesmaids. It wasn't just Lauren trying to dress herself. Um, I want to say, in a sense, we are both, I know this is hard for a man to kind of understand this, but we are both brides and bridesmaids in this thing. What I mean by that is that we are preparing one another for Christ. And as a bridesmaid, why do you have bridesmaids? Lauren or Alicia, why did you have bridesmaids? For the photographs, if I suppose that's part of it. <laughs> But it's help prepare you, right? It's to help prepare you. Hey, you don't know how your back looks. Okay, you've got a mirror, but you still got to like, you know, see, they, they make sure everything's going to, so you look perfect on that day. 
So the purpose of bridesmaids is there for, besides the photographs, is that you look good. And, uh, and so we need, in a sense, we, we are both the bride and the bridesmaid. We're there to, to make each other look beautiful in Jesus. And, uh, and so, yeah, the virgin represents purity. Um, and so Paul, Paul even gives us this illustration in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2. As it, no, sorry, verse 21. I'll give you that one awkward. It says, For I am jealous. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealous. Now, Paul's talking about the church here. He says, I betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, Paul's kind of illustrating this as almost like a, like a father would be doing to his daughter. He's, he's going to walk her down the aisle and come to that place where as he gives the bride to the bridegroom, it's like, hey, man, I put all this effort into this, this woman. You know, I've done everything I can that, you, that she's pure, that she's spotless, that she looks beautiful. He says this, but I fear lest someone has uh, somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted with the simplicity that is in Christ. And, um, and so Paul's talking about like staying pure. And uh, you know what the problem with purity, you see, and I love the way he brings purity, it's got to do with the simplicity it says, simplic- sorry, that you're not corrupted with the simplicity that is in Christ. The thing is, I think the reason we get corrupted sometimes, we get complicated. You know, we start getting clever in our own ways. And uh, if you look at the teachings of today, look, look how many of the world, if you look at the world, how, you know, they, they kind of look at Scripture and they say, well, it's just not relevant. You know, we need to be with the times. We need to become relevant. We need to, so they begin to dilute Scripture to fit in that we look all right, that we look okay. And Paul's saying, don't be, don't be caught, don't be deceived like Eve, okay? He's saying he's talking about the simplicity. What did Jesus actually say? How does that prepare? What does Scripture actually say? Go to the simplicity of what Scripture says. And because um, he even goes on to say, you know, some people follow another Jesus. They, and to follow another Jesus, they've got to have another gospel. And it will be another spirit, because Paul talks about those things. Another, another Christ, another gospel, another spirit, and they follow that. And he's saying, but I don't want you to be deceived like that, like Eve was. And, um, and so it's not only, it's, we've we got to be careful we don't fall under the popular demands of what we're seeing around us. Let me tell you, church, the world is getting darker. And uh, as it gets darker, you and I are going to be the light. We're going to be shining brighter because of that. And we're going to stand out. And, and, and I want to be straight with you. I'm seeing it more and more, even as you look at the news over the world. The church, the true church, the Christians are getting marginalized. They're beginning to look like the minority. They're beginning to look like you guys are just not with it. You are the bigots. You are the people that need to get with the rest of us. And so the world's starting to, the church is starting to um, almost like fold under that influence. And uh, so we've got to be careful that we don't follow another gospel because we're not following the world's gospel because we're not following the world's Christ. We're following another Christ. I, I remember watching Oprah and she says, well, my Jesus is all-inclusive. My Jesus is loving. My Jesus is all this. But then if I go back to Oprah and I think, well, who is your Jesus? Because my Jesus is very exclusive sometimes because his truth is exclusive. By definition, truth is exclusive. The moment you proclaim something to be true, you reject what isn't true. So it doesn't matter how anybody might say to you, oh, we need to be inclusive. Let me tell you the most inclusive faith, which is the Baha'i faith. You know, you know the Baha'i faith? Believes all, all the roads lead to God. It's, 
It's like we're all accepted, we're all included. But the problem is they will eventually exclude you. Whether you they'll exclude the exclusivist. So no one by definition really is, is all-inclusive, no matter how much they say it. And I'm making that statement because the problem with sin is, I think when we look at sin, we can, you know, we look at sin as just kind of a, what's the word I want to look at? It's more like just a figment of our imagination. It's not real. Sin is just, I'm trying to think of the word. <laughs> um, yeah. It's more a concept. That's the word I'm looking for. Sin is more a concept. And that is becoming, becoming a regular thought pattern today, that sin is more a concept. I want to say don't buy into that. Sin is not a concept. Look around you. Look at the consequences of sin. Look at wars. Look at hurts. Look at pains. All those things that are happening. It's because of sin. So the moment someone says, oh, really, sin is really what you wanted to, because that's what people are saying, that sin is no longer sin. And the problem with that is we, we're living in a society that's not Im, they don't believe in immoral. It's not an immoral society, but it's amoral society because there's no such thing as sin. But the problem with that is when we start to give into that, you, you actually realize actually what is the purpose of the gospel? What did Jesus come for? If, if there is no such thing as sin, what was the purpose that Jesus came for? If sin is just a concept, then it would have no effect on you. But the problem with sin, what did, the, what did the Bible say? The wages of sin is what? Death. See, the problem with sin isn't that it makes us bad. If that was all there was to sin, that would be okay. I could handle that. I'm a bad person. Well, I'll try and be better, and I will. But sin makes me dead at the end of the day. It kills me. And so because that is a reality, sin is a reality and not a concept, Jesus had to come. And, and I, I'm not presuming everybody here has given their lives to Jesus. And I want to say, if you have never given your life to Jesus, you're living for yourself. You're living in sin. But the thing is, God sent His Son, and it wasn't just a figment of His imagination. He sent His Son to the world, and He said to Jesus, I want you to become a substitute for the world. The world is in sin. The world is dying. It's going to die. It's going to come to a point where I'm going to come back in judgment and I'm going to wipe the world out. That was, but Jesus made a way, the Father made a way, he said, but I'm going to send my son, because this is more than a concept. I'm sending my son in the flesh, because he's going to take the sin that is rightfully yours, and I'm going to place it on my son, and he's going to die for you, because your sin is real. It's not a figment of an imagination. You know, the Bible says it's, it's harder, you know, because we broke the law. That's what sin is. It's actually breaking the law. And Jesus said, you know, it's harder for heaven and earth to fall away than just one dot of the law to, be, to go. And all of us have broken the law. And we can say, well, God, why didn't you just forgive me? Well, the problem was you couldn't because you had broken something eternal, a law that couldn't be restored other than him sending his son to restore that. And so when God placed judgment, he placed it on, on the sin that you committed and he placed it on his son. And his anger and his wrath he put on his son for your sake. Isn't that amazing? We serve an amazing God. That he loves us for that very reason. And so being ready is, is basically taking those things off and, and taking the sin of the world and, and realizing sin for what it is. Because in that, we realize that is what the gospel's about. We can't ignore the cross. We can't ignore why Jesus came. It's because of your sin and mine. 
And so God had to send, send His Son. And the other thing is, sin is a real thing, which is why we need to repent. Okay? One of the things we've got to do because of our sin is to repent in order that God forgives us. And so repent means change the way, you, change the way you're thinking, change the way you're living, because God wants to restore you. He wants to bring you to a place of wholeness, of restoration. And while I'm speaking, I really feel God's talk, tugging certain hearts here right now. I don't know, I'm just feeling that. God wants to restore you. Don't think to yourself, I'm living for myself, and that's okay. You're not living for yourself. You think you're living for yourself. But you know what? You're under the, under the pull of the world. The Bible says all of the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Everyone lies under the devil's influence, under his authority, until we come under Jesus. And he takes that authority that the enemy has. He says, I want you to come under me because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to give you life. I want to give you freedom. And so there needs to be a simplicity of the gospel. But I want to say, too, the, the, the simplicity is about being separated from the world. You know, I've just, I was watching, I don't know if you've been following the news with the Church of England. Uh, that's the Anglican Church. And how they're breaking away from the doctrines they've had for centuries. Doctrines that have been so ingrained in them. In them uh, and they're actually beginning to compromise on those doctrines. And... Um, yeah I, I was just yeah I was just looking at the they had a synod meeting, which is when all the clergy come together and they say, "Should we actually keep these certain doctrines and a lot of those doctrines have to do with marriage they have to do with you know can can we bless a marriage that's a gay marriage you know all those things you know can we accept a woman who's gay into ministry all those things are being questioned now. And it's beginning to fold under the influence of the world. And uh, I was just thinking about the, the, the Anglican church. If you actually think of that church, you know, it was birth. It was also a Protestant church that broke away from the Catholic church. But the reason it broke away, I think it was King Henry VIII, that broke away from that church for the purpose that he could divorce his wife. That was the, that was the reason he did it. And if you think of it, if that was the seed sown to birth the church, you can only imagine the fruit would also be sin. And this is the fruit that they, they're harvesting now, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a church that's compromised. And uh, I'm not saying every Anglican church, but there is compromise coming in. And, um, it's, yeah, it's tainted with the world. So is it enough? Is being ready being pure? That's a good question. It's being pure. If we look at the virgins, they, they all abstained from the world. They all, you know, did things that made them pure. But, but is that enough in being ready? Apparently not. So I look at the scripture, it's not. Okay, well, let's, let's look, look what else they were. They were all waiting. Ha, have you ever thought of that? They were all waiting for the groom. So being ready is a lot more than just waiting. Think of it. You see, this is, the, this is what we've got to understand. Being ready is, is not just an observance outwardly. Okay, I want you to understand this. It's not just what you observe outwardly. It's what you witness within internally that make you ready. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I know a lot of people 
that have got the end time books. They've got all the prophecies. They've got all the teachings of, what's that guy, Haggy. They've got all the, <laughs> you know, all these, uh, what, what do they call it, uh, eschatology teachings. You know, they've got all, you know what eschatology is, the teaching of the end times. And they know all of that stuff, but they're still not ready. Think of it. Um, I mean, I'm not saying eschatology is wrong to study Scripture and to understand certain things, but that in itself doesn't make you ready. In fact, the reason Matthew, we've been reading Matthew 25 was because the disciples actually asked Jesus, how do we know this is the end? And so Jesus does bring them to a place externally in observance and say, look, you want to know the bit of eschatology? Well, let me teach you. And in verse uh, Matthew 24, 3, he says, Tell us when the, this is the disciples actually asking Jesus, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. I want to bring a train of thought here. So those things in themselves doesn't make you ready. You think of it. I mean, I love things like that because it tickles my itching ear, you know, like you just want to, you just want to see further, you know, in, in Scripture, and you want to see, because it's fascinating, but I've got to admit, in that I know myself, it's, there's not a real witness that I know that this is true. Well, what is? Well, I want to look here, and I wrote this down just to remember it. All the virgins that were waiting, but they weren't all ready, but all the virgins that were ready were also waiting. So I'm not saying don't observe the times, but don't think that in itself is enough to be ready. Okay? You know what I'm trying to say? So in a sense, you, you recognize this is the times because that's what Jesus said. You'll observe and you'll see it. But that in itself doesn't make you ready. You see, some people can wait, but you can, and this is the thing of waiting, you can wait in a passive mode. You can wait passively or you can wait actively. And uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31, you know the scripture. It says, But they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. He shall mount up with eagles, uh, with wings of eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I know a lot of us, we can waste times. We can waste time. But, but being ready is being ready in the Lord. Okay, it's not just being ready by observance, it's being in Him. And so I want to encourage you guys, even in these times that we're in, we need to be seeking the Lord even more so today. We need to be in our quiet times. We need to be spending time with Him, meditating with Him, hearing the heart of the Father, hearing the heart of God, witnessing with Him, speaking to Him, reading Scripture, and, and like, God, help me understand this. You know, I believe the Holy, we've been having the season of, for those who don't know, closing the windows and the doors. Why? So you can... Meditate with the Lord so you can hear His voice, that you can know Him. This is what it's for. And so there's two ways that we can wait in the Lord. Now, so this is where I want you to understand. You know, the Greek word for, for time, there's two, two concepts that I want you to grasp now. One is kairos and the other one is chronos. Now we can wait chronos or we can also wait kairos. Now what is chronos? Well, chronos speaks of time and space. So chronos like where we get the word chronological. Okay, that's where the watches, the calendars that we have, uh, the years that we have, those are all chronological things that are happening. Okay, so those that wait, are we called to wait chronologically? Or are we called to wait kairosly? What's kairos? Well, kairos is hearing the moments of the Lord. Kairos is hearing 
like Jesus said, you know, I only do what I see the Father do. For those Kairos moments, I'm watching and I'm observing what is the Father doing here now. I'm not looking at my watch and saying, okay, it's time for this now. I need to do this. No, he was looking at the Father constantly. It was Kairos moments that he was dependent on. Remember the story of Mary at the, at the not the well, Mary, when she was having the, the, the wedding and she says to Jesus, listen, just do something. We've run out of wine. What did Jesus say? My time hasn't come yet. My Kronos time, you're asking me for a for something Kairos that hasn't Kronos happened. But obviously he spoke to the Father and it happened. But he must have prayed to the Father and he says, you know, Lord, I know, I know I'm feeling him. I'm not witnessing that this is my moment, but let's do a miracle here because I want to witness something beautiful of marriage. Maybe that's what the conversation was. I don't know, but he did it. And the Father responded to the Son. And so he made it a Kairos moment. Um, so, why do I say this is important? Being ready isn't just chronologically knowing, because I want to say this, none of us will ever know when Jesus will come, chronologically. I'll prove that to you in Scripture. A lot of people try and, how many people have you seen try to predict dates of the coming? Have you seen that? Many times. Can I say that's totally out of Scripture? Let me read it. Matthew 24, 36. It says, of that day and hour, no one knows. That's talking about the coming of Christ. Matthew 24, 44. It says, Therefore, you also be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, Acts 1, 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times and the dates of the Father that he is set in his own authority. So the moment someone says to you, Listen, guys, I've got the dates. It's January the 8th, 2025. That's when Jesus... Rubbish. Scripture is very clear on that. So you say, well, Benny, well, is there no ways that we can know? Well, kairosly there will be. And I'll explain this to you because it's almost like, to me, it's almost like that thing of, of birthing that God does in us, that you witness with something. And he uses, the, I want to quickly go, I found this a very interesting scripture, Hosea 13, 13. Now I asked Orchid to put this in uh, the Message Bible because I think it explains it very nicely. It's talking about the birth of Ephraim. And he says, when the birth pang signaled it was time to be born, Ephraim was too stupid to come out of the womb. When the passage into life opened, he didn't show. He didn't pitch for his own birth. That's, that's what the, the scriptures try to talk about Ephraim here. Yeah. That sounds stupid, but, <laughs> but I, I've never read that scripture before. But you know, the these and nows in the New King James says, Ephraim was not wise. <laughs> I love, the, I love the message. It was stupid. He just wasn't ready to be born yet. It was like too doff to know, hey, this is the time. And, uh, and the reason I'm saying that, because Jesus talks about the end times in Matthew 24, verses 8. He talks about the end times being birth pains. Okay? Now, with, I don't know. I'm not a woman, but apparently the birth pains increase. Uh, the, sorry, what do they call it? Not the, the, the contractions. That's the word. Contractions become more frequent and more quicker. And, am I right? So... It starts off slow. So we're seeing that in the world. We're seeing chaos. We're seeing turmoil. We're seeing wars. We're seeing pestilence, all those things. But they slowly, it's like a heartbeat getting faster and faster. It's getting more and more. And so, and so we, can, we can discern. To some degree, we're getting closer to the birth. Okay? There's a birthing taking place. And, 
And so in us getting ready, I want to say this, is that we don't get despondent in the birth pains. We don't, like, because they're getting frequent, like, oh, God, where are you? Where are you right now? No, no, no. Now we need to get excited. Now we need to be having faith. This is the moment. Think of Stephen and Alicia. You 95% downloaded, hey? Now, Alicia's not here at the moment, but, but you're getting to a point where you guys knowing the time's getting closer. And so in that, I'm sure Alicia's not the first thing, oh, that day, I, I dread that day because now it's going to be birth pains like you can't believe it's going to be. All this happening, I don't know, I'm not a woman, but I'm sure it's going to be pretty painful to some degree. But anyway, but she's not looking for that day because of the pain that's coming. they excited for that day because there's a birthing happening. There's a day where that baby's going to born, where little Amelia comes out of the womb and she's not stupid because she's going to come out at the right time. <laughs> And they're going to rejoice because of that moment. And Jesus says the same thing. And I love this. He says in Luke, I think it's Luke 21, verses 28. He says, now when these things begin to happen. Now he's talking about all the turmoil, all the, all the hardship begin to happen. Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Now, what is that redemption? Let's not talk about being born again. We've, if you've given your life to Jesus, that, that thing's happened now. But let me tell you, there's a redemptive, redemptive time happening where you're going to be given a new body. A new body. A body that's not restricted to sin. A body that's not under the subjection of the weight of the world, the sin of the world. All these, I mean, it's getting harder to get up for me in the morning. And, you know, your back sore and you, you're getting older. You're starting to realize the pains that uh, you never had before. I know you young guys sitting here, you won't know yet. Uh, you know. <laughs> But you start realizing the frailty of your body. You start realizing, yeah. and so Jesus is saying, look, get excited because your redemptive time where you're going to be given a new body and you're not going to be restricted to all those things. It's going to be liberating. Imagine that. A body that's not subject to, to, the, to the elements. <laughs> and um, we're going to get a new redemptive nature. Even the pool of the flesh, even the pool of sin won't even be there anymore. Think of that. Think of your own life. Think of the things that you fall under constantly, and you fall and you fall, and you keep, God, please forgive me. That pulls. It's going to be one day where you're just not going to have that. Imagine. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. It's not just that day. It's going to come when I come. When you see me, you will be like me. Isn't that amazing? Redeemed, set free. Just, ah. Oh. I love, I love the illustration, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 to 55, it says, For this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass uh, the saying that what is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Can you imagine staring in the face of death? And not even flinching and saying, hey, buddy, what have you got now? There's nothing. There's no sting in you. There's... That's what it's saying. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for that day. It's like, I don't think we grasp this, church. I think we get too bogged down in what's happening now. and We're getting in turmoil and fights. And, and it's like, no, our redemption is drawing near. And so these virgins... We're waiting, but they weren't all ready. And I love the fact that it says all of them slept. Now, if, if Jesus was kind of, 
using this illustration of alertness, he's not doing it right when it comes to this parable. Because you would say the alertness would be those who were awake were the wise and those who, who were foolish were asleep. But that's not what he's trying to say here. I think he's using this illustration that we understand because what he's trying to say in this, that all slept, because it says that, all, all the virgins slept, the foolish and the wise. They were all caught up in a sense that they all had to do things chronologically. You know, we all have to work, we all have to sleep, we all have to do all those things. And so there wasn't a distinction between those two. You know, they were doing the things, but the wise ones weren't just captivated by the chronological time. They weren't just doing those things. That was what they were doing. We're all called to work. We're all called to, to live. And, and, and that's, but they're not preoccupied with those things. And he says they all slept. Um, but, and this is where I want to say, but the, this is where the Kairos moment. See, but they waited for the appointment. They were ready for the appointed time. So just to give you a little understanding, um, just to understand this, is that when the bridegroom came, he would go to the bride's house. This is how the, the Jewish uh, wedding festival would happen. So the, the brides would be waiting in her house for the groom to come. And so he would come and he would fetch the bride and then take her to his house. And there would be a feast and everything happening there. But on that way, because you would have an evening, sometimes you would have an, a, a, a night wedding. And so the purpose was that, that she had a lamp. Okay, So she would come back to you know, to Christ. And, and so the question is, they were ready for the Kairos moment. They were ready when the bridegroom came. Okay, and that's the distinction between the two. Um, and this is what I want to say. You know, with Jesus, this is what we've got to understand something about. God is not caught up chronological time like you and I. We subject to that. Okay, God is outside time and space. He's not bound to it like you and I. Okay, the Bible says he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and end. And uh, this is why God is never late, and this is why God is never in a hurry. Why? If God was late and God was in a hurry, it would mean time would be above him. Think of it. God is outside of those things. He's not bound to time. So he can never be late because he's the keeper of time. He's the keeper of eternity. And so he's not in that. He's not subject to that. And the problem with, with the world is we mock God. We think, well, because that's what 2 Peter 3, 4 says. Scoffers, those are people who mock God, uh, who will come in the last days where the promise of His coming goes on to say, and then verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some count slowness, but His patience towards us, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. You see the heart of God? God's not bound to time and space, but He's waiting. He's waiting. He's trying to say, Lord, as, as much as I can get into the kingdom, I'm going I'm to delay my coming. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. But it's not because I'm slow. It's because I've got a heart. I've got a grace for those people. I want to see them come through. It says it's, it's His desire that none should perish. That's the heart of God. So I want to say here, yeah, even this evening, as some of you sitting here, I want to say today is the day that you can come before him. He's waiting for you. He's delaying his coming because of you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it's because of you. Don't delay any further. Don't wait because there's going to come a day where there won't be a delay. That he's going to come now. But are you ready? Think of it.
So I was just sitting um, and earlier already a little dropped in my spirit and I felt like there's um, a young person here, particularly a young boy, young man. And I felt like you, you know church, you know Jesus, you know, you might have even been brought up in like a, a Christian home. But I felt like the Lord wants to grab your heart tonight. And like you know everything, you just go through the motions and, and you know what everything is, but you kind of just there. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord saying, he's got your number tonight. And you've got to respond. Like you have to respond tonight. So just in that, you know, in hearing the, the word of the Lord, if that is you, I want to say that that's a Kairos moment that you're hearing. It's God speaking. It's a Kairos moment. Don't lose that Kairos moment. You've got it now. The Father speaking, respond to him. This is it. This is the moment. Don't, don't look at your watch in a sense chronological. Listen to the Father he's speaking. And you know what the difference is between the foolish ones and the wise? Uh, and I look at Luke 12, verse 36. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. They're waiting for the Kairos moment. And when will, sorry, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, what happens? He knocks and they open to him, what? Immediately. It's like, it's like they hear the knock and it's quickly. It's like open up. I was waiting. I knew you were here. I knew you were coming because there was a witness in my heart. It's like, I didn't need to watch. I didn't need to discern the times. I just knew because I've been connecting with you. I've been witnessing with you. And just in that witness of my heart, I opened immediately. I knew you were here. You know, the Bible says this, that those who receive the Spirit need to keep in step of the Spirit. And that's why we shouldn't be bound to this. We should be bound to the spirit that we're listening to him, that we're witnessing with him. To keep in step, it's got to do with timing. It's got to do with the direction that he leads, but it's also got to do with the timing of how he leads us and where he leads us. I want to say this is true wisdom, church. I'm not going to get through my whole message, but just one more thing I need to bring through. True wisdom is living out the Kairos time of the Lord. You know, Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16 says, Look carefully, then how you should walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Psalm 90, verse 12, Teach us to number each of our days, so that you may grow in wisdom. Colossians 4, 5 says, Conduct yourselves with the wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of your opportunity. Look how many times that wisdom has to do with the time that you spend listening to the Father. I don't know about you, but so many times I'm preoccupied with the things that have got nothing to do with the kingdom. Even when I'm standing in line or I'm trying to get here and there and doing this and that, sometimes I'm oblivious to the things of the kingdom. I'm working to a chronological time and not a kairos time. And God's saying, I want you to hear me. I want to hear my voice. It's people to be saved. It's going to come through you, but it's going to come through you listening to those Kairos moments. I've got to repent. I've got a lot of those moments. I've, I've, I've missed it. And so, yeah. So all were virgins, all were waiting. Next week, we're going to look all had lamps. 
Next week, and look, all had oil. I'm not going to get there tonight. And so, just in closing, maybe let's just close our eyes right now. You know, God's been speaking through this whole message this evening. And there's someone here that hasn't responded to him. I want to I encourage you, today is the day that you can respond to the Lord. So, I want you to make a brave step in the Lord. That is you, and you've never given your life to Jesus, that you've never subjected yourself to Him, that you've never come to Him and said, Lord, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be the, the bride that's ready for the groom, a bride that's without spot or blemish that you're coming to. God, come and purge the sin that's within me. I want to repent of that. I want to get rid of it. But I know only you can do it, Jesus. You, you were pure, spotless lamb. They were slain for my sin. You know, Jesus came and he died for you. He came and took your sin. And all you have to do is repent and believe. All you need to say is, God, come into, your, into my life. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. And you know, when, God, when you do that, God comes and he takes that sin from you. And he washes it. That you as white as snow. So just as I've been speaking, maybe the Holy Spirit's been tugging at your heart. You feel like a heartbeat, like this is, this is it. I, I, I can feel that moment. I can feel that Kairos moment. I can feel the tug of the Father's heart. If that's you, can I ask you to put up your hand this, this evening? Just put up your hand. This has got to do with eternity, church. Anybody here? Don't lose this opportunity. Now is the moment. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know.